Uh, it's been a joy and a privilege to return to Winston-Salem just this past week with Hannah and I and, and uh, our three children. We, we left with one, and now we're back with three after being in Spain for four years. Um, being back, and uh, we've been on furlough ministry reporting to our supporting churches. We have a third of our support in Maryland. A third of our support is here in the Triad area. And the other third support is around America, Colorado, Michigan, uh, around really where a lot of our family is located, being Hannah and I, being uh, in mission, mis- um, military families, uh, we're spread all over. Uh, but we're very thankful and grateful to be back here uh, with you, Salem Baptist Church. Uh, many of our friends that uh, we could shed tears with uh, today and even the time that we have here of being able to look back and see what God has done and how he has been faithful to us and how he's calling us to, 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 to give him willful worship, uh, give him our obedience uh, for what he has done for us. Being back on furlough, and one thing, or what I'd like to share with you today as we turn in the book of Jeremiah, um, one of the things I continuously hear on furlough from folks that support us dearly uh, is the comment that, I'm so glad you're in Spain doing what you're doing. I could not do what you're doing. And uh, Hannah and I have had the opportunity to talk about this and at home and pray about this and, and really dig deeply and, and, and understand that, you know what? We couldn't be where God has us in Spain. We couldn't be doing what we're doing today. We as Salem Baptists could not be doing what we're doing, desiring to worship and give God the glory to be edified by the preaching and the teaching of God's word and to be obedient to that, which gives the Lord that, that aroma uh, or the, 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 the aroma that God is pleased with. As I have been in my devotions in the, the book of Jeremiah while on furlough, I've been encouraged um, by Jeremiah's life and his call. This morning, I'd like to go over his call almost as a review for us as the believers and as the body of Christ and understand how God has uniquely designed us and encouraged us as Salem Baptist Church to be a light, a city set on a hill in Winston-Salem, the Triad area, North Carolina, and the world. How we've been operating, we've been functioning as an organism, as an organization for God's glory, and we pray to continue to do that. As we turn to the book of Jeremiah, I'm going to just go ahead and read Jeremiah 1, verse 1 through verse 10. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Ilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. In verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. 
Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Now, before dissecting this passage, I want to provide for you a little bit of historical background on Jeremiah, a little bit about his life, where he's coming from, just as we all have had, we have a past, whether it's talking about our past before coming to know Christ as our personal Savior. Jeremiah, uh, the book itself, the first part of the book records several of his sermons given in Jerusalem in which he denounces the people, priests and princes, for their sins, especially the sin of idolatry. In chapter 25 of Jeremiah, he announces that the nation will go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years if the nation would not repent and then return to reestablish the nation. In chapter 31, we know um, very well, Jeremiah prophesies the, the new covenant, the new covenant between Jehovah and the nation of Israel, not a covenant of law and works written on stones, but a covenant of love and faith written on their heart. The theme of the book of Jeremiah, I'd consider, is the coming judgment of Judah from Babylon. Now, as we look at the first part of Jeremiah's life, and it, it records or it, it develops in, in showing what was Jeremiah facing up against in his own ministry and what God is calling him into. Jeremiah 1, verse, verses 1 through 3, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Ilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in the days of, Je- of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now, during this time, or in this record that we have, this is the record when Jeremiah himself was carrying out his ministry. Now, we're speaking of Salem Baptist Church ministering and, and being a witness uh, here in Winston-Salem and to the uttermost parts of the world for 110 years. This is a quick reference of the kings that Jeremiah was preaching repentance to the nation of Judah. During these kingdoms and the kings that were reigning, uh, we speak of Manasseh. When Jeremiah was born, King Manasseh was, was uh, alive and reigning during this time. It's recorded in, in uh, Chronicles and also as well as in Kings, the book of Kings in the Bible. Uh, just like in 2 Kings 21.9, Manasseh led Israel astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. Thus, Jeremiah grew up in Anathoth at a time when idolatry flourished in Judah. Children were offered in sacrifices to idols. They were, they were offered to the, the God of Moloch at that time. The law of Moses was disregarded and disobeyed, and it looked as though there was no hope for the nation. In short, being a prophet for Jeremiah was not going to be an easy task. We see in verse 4 and 5 of, of Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah is calling, God reaching out to, to Jeremiah and calling him out to this ministry, this ministry we have. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. 
Now, looking back, what, what I skimmed over in verse 1, we find out whose Jeremiah's father was. Jeremiah's father, Ilkiah, in verse 1. Ilkiah and his grandfather, or Jeremiah's grandfather, they were priests. They were priests according to the line of, of Benjamin, and he was carrying out the priestly duties. And as we learn here, God is calling Jeremiah into the prophet ministry. Now, in the, according, in the nation of Israel, there was a different role, and there's different responsibilities between, or different responsibilities between a priest and a prophet. And what I'd like to do right now is, is, is just give you some brief um, differences between those two. A prophet who, whom Jeremiah was called was chosen an author, as an authorized spokesman for God who declared God's word to the people. They were foretellers, exposing the people's sins and calling them back to their covenant responsibilities before God. Priests ministered primarily to individuals with various needs. Prophets, on the other hand, addressed whole nations, and usually the people they addressed didn't want to hear the message. Priests were supported from sacrifices and the offerings of people, but prophets had no guaranteed income. Just as we hear from Jeremiah, as well as Isaiah, and other prophets in Scripture, speaking before entire nations, calling the nation of Israel, and Jeremiah himself calling the nation of Judah to repentance. Priests dealt with externals, rituals, sacrifices, offerings, services, whereas a prophet tried to reach and change hearts. Warren Wiersbe states, the priests worked primarily to conserve the past by protecting and maintaining the sanctuary ministry. But the prophet, I think about the church today, the prophet labored to change the present so the nation would have a future. Jeremiah would call for 40 years of his ministry, 40 years of his life being called, calling the, the nation of Israel to repentance. Jesus, too, our greatest example, was a prophet. He was called to be a prophet. He, was, he traveled from place to place, challenging people to change their hearts so that their future in heaven would be guaranteed. Jesus spoke to the hearts of the people. Most did not accept his message of repentance, for they, they, they did not want to change. Remember Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission passage? I know most of us all know it. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. But just even before that commission passage where Jesus is calling the disciples, he's calling the church, that's our charge. That's our charge being in Spain and our responsibility. But even before that great commission passage and after the many works, over 30 miracles that Jesus did, that Jesus did and performed to prove and authenticate his message, many people walked away in, in disbelief or in unbelief. They walked away not wanting to change their heart and change their life. Now in verse 5, look at the four acts, and I want to focus on the four acts that God has done in Jeremiah's calling. In Jeremiah uh, verse 5, God says he knew him. In the Hebrew word, um, Jeremiah uses the word yada which is, in comparison in the Greek, gnosko, which is an intimate relation knowledge. It's like me having an intimate relationship knowledge with my wife. 
And this is the, the desire that God wants to, to have with his children, with his people. This is what he had with Jeremiah even before he was born. Before I, I even formed you, I knew you. Now for me and being in Spain, it's, I, I'm constantly in uh, the mode of apologetics or uh, trying to uh, make people think critically about their worldview. Uh, most people have never been questioned about what they believe and why. Uh, Catholicism there in Spain is, is simply a tradition and not anything of, of heart value, and looking at God's Word and, and being obedient and understanding that salvation is by faith alone uh, and in Christ alone. But in doing that and sharing with others, our desire is to make Christ known in Spain. As we get to know Christ and as we knew, knew Christ as our personal Savior, God knew that before we were even born, before even Jeremiah was born. God knew him. Uh, one of the examples I give uh, to some, some people I know in Spain to try to get them to understand, well, how, how can God know me or how can I know my wife if I, I, if I don't know her, if I don't even see her? Uh, because God is God. And it's like watching, we have the Super Bowl tonight. Uh, some of you may watch it. Um, some of you may record it. You may use the VHS or you might use the DVR. You might record it, and tomorrow I could watch that game tomorrow morning when I wake up or in the afternoon. But no matter what, I, I can know the outcome ahead of time, either by hearing the score or hearing the news tonight or in the morning. And without even watching that game, I could replay that game and still the men on the field, the referees, everyone involved in that game still have the ability to choose, the ability to, to make their own free will. And explaining that to, to lost people on the streets or lost people that we have gotten to know in Spain, it's like we, we only understand time on a parallel line. There's a start and there's, or there's a start or beginning and there's an end. But God, it's like taking a circle and wrapping it around that line and saying, God knows everything. And he knew us personally. He knew that we would come to trust uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior even before we came to that conclusion in our lives. He knew us. Secondly, the second point is the first one, God knew him. Secondly, God consecrated him or God sanctified him, meaning he set him apart. Now, looking back at Jeremiah and knowing that his father was a priest, what, what's the significance of that? Well, that attacks, I think, our, our American dream uh, here in America. I know for fathers and even having children now, um, I know in the flesh, it would be awesome to have my children follow daddy in his footsteps or mommy in her footsteps of their profession. Um, it's 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 even a, a prideful thing or, or something that we can carry on our shoulders and say, my son is following and doing the same thing that I was called to do. But as believers in Christ, that's all changed. For Jeremiah, his own experience, he grew up, he was preparing for the ministry in the priesthood because that was his role. They say that Jeremiah was in his teenage years or in his early 20s at this time being called into the ministry of a prophet. And for Jeremiah, he knew he's growing up, okay, I'm going to be a priest, I'm going to get my hands dirty and, and bloody by sacrificing all these animals, 
I know what I need to do. He studied the law. He knew it. But God called him out. He set him apart for a new task. And this new task was not easy. It was not guaranteed. It was not going to bring comfort, and it was not going to bring a guaranteed income for himself. And for us, I want to challenge you, as, as I've been challenged for myself, praying for my children, not that I would even speak of missions or being a pastor or even being a pastor's wife or a missionary wife, encouraging them to, to go where, where dad or mom wants to go or so that they can please me. No. I want to humble myself as a father and, and for us as parents and as adults. And even if you don't have children as you're mentoring children or youth, or it might even be others here in the church that are adults, to humble ourselves before God and be willing to be used by God and answer His call when He does so. Always. It's not just for a teen. It's not for a child. It's not even for the retired. There's, I, you know, I, I struggle with the word retirement. We're having to try to save for the future uh, as a good steward of, of God's uh, resources. But there's no term or, or word for retirement in scriptures. And I, I am blessed by Salem Baptist Church coming here 14 years ago as a member of the church, knowing that there are men and women of God. They might be retired uh, physically with, with, uh, with their income or their state of their work, but in regards within the church and serving the community and serving others, there's no word or there's no example of giving up or saying, I'm putting my jacket on the, or my hat up on the, on the hook and I'm going to sit at home and relax. I am proud and thankful for Salem Baptist Church and for the many members here today that I'm able to see as well as those that I've seen yesterday encouraged by their faithfulness by serving God. God set Jeremiah apart as a prophet. Thirdly, God formed him in the womb. Jeremiah uses the word in Hebrew, sur, which refers to the design of a house or the sculpting, sculpting of, a, of a sculpture. Now we know, and I'm not an architect or I'm not a designer of homes, but we all know that there's a foundation that's laid there's a structure, the, the guts or the, the innards, the, you have all the, the, the beams and the supports, the joints of the building. And then what my wife likes to see is the cosmetics. How is it going to look when it comes to its final position or final uh, reproduction? Just like God, uh, just like we create buildings or we have people that can create uh, masterpieces with their hands, God has uniquely designed us with precision and purpose, us as the believers. Not even looking physically and even coming back and being disgusted by some of the laws that are being passed in our, in our country or in our nation in regards with abortion. We as a church can value life and support others in need, whether it's foster care, whether it's adoption, or whether it's even providing respite for those that do and want to provide um, help. I, I thank God that we as a church support Salem, uh, the Salem Pregnancy Center. These are vital ways as a church can be a light within our city to support those in need, not only physically, but also mentally and, and more so spiritually. 
meeting the needs of people that are lost and dying and see the only answer, the only hope is to give in and, and, and accept the, the convenience that we have to say, I don't want to see this. I don't want to be accountable to the decision I've already made. My brother John, uh, I, I'm a uh, one brother of four brothers and we have a sister. My younger brother John is 37 years old now and in our last two, two prayer letters ago I shared with you how in October uh, my brother John was able to find a home to go into in Missouri where my, my family moved out to while we were in Spain. John has cerebral palsy. He can't walk. He can't talk. Um, he doesn't even have the mental capacity of a, of a kid, kindergartner or a preschooler. I love my brother John. Do you know when my mom, and I, I love to hear the story from my, mo- my mother, it's very humbling. When she went to the doctor's office, found that the umbilical cord was wrapped, wrapped around his neck in the womb, the doctor gave her his advice, his opinion. He said, if you try to deliver your son, either you will die as the mother or your child will die. There's no choice about it. You need to abort him. And so my mom, growing as a believer in Christ herself for about now seven years, growing, did not like that answer. She went and sought a different opinion, went to a different doctor, OBGYN. She decided to claim and say, God, it's in your hands. Yes, he has cerebral palsy. Yes, he can't walk or talk. And up until October, I, I, I don't change, change many diapers. Uh, I try to at time, time to time, but I can be very confessing to you that Hannah changed diapers for our children a lot. But we only see that as parents changing diapers for about one, two, maybe at the most three years. But for my mother changing my brother's diapers... For 37 years, the humility of my mother, the love, the desire to support and lift him up, I tell my mom, and just like I told her when I got to see her face-to-face on her birthday, growing up as a child, my brother changed my life, my perspective, my attitude, being grateful for what I had, being able to jump off the, the bunk beds, as we had two bunk beds in a small little bedroom at most times when we moved jumping off, going to the bathroom, the first need I needed to do when I woke up, and looking back at my brother John, knowing he didn't have that chance. He didn't have that opportunity. But just as God has designed you and I, designing and uniquely preparing my brother John with cerebral palsy for God's glory and, and not for our own, God can use you and I, how wretched we are, how sinful we've been in in the past, if we're willing to humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, just as Jeremiah is calling the nation of Israel to repentance, I'm calling you today. If there's any sin in your life, as well as I'm examining today, if there's any sin in my life, Lord God, reveal it to me so I can know and remember that you know me, God. You sanctified me. You set us apart to a calling, not a calling that I'm referring to a calling for a pastor or for a missionary, but you've called us as the believer to live our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Fourthly, God appoints Jeremiah to be a prophet. 
This was his destiny. No Christian exists today to just make a living, raise a family, enjoy retirement, and die. All believers, all are called to serve. These acts, these four acts of God, that God knew Jeremiah, that God sanctified him or consecrated him, that God formed him in the, moon, in the womb and, and showed that he has an intimate relationship with Jeremiah, and that God called him and drew him out. These four acts give one a great sense of purpose. Like Jeremiah and Jesus, we need to accept that. Our future is not our own. We belong to God, and he has a distinct plan and call for our life. In Jeremiah, verse 6, we hear now and immediately, we hear Jeremiah's response, or we can consider his excuse. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. Jeremiah feels a sense of incompetency. And he says that this, that this incompetency is because he is too young for the job God is calling him to do. Remembering and, and thinking of what Jeremiah's past and his background life was, his father being a priest and, and being raised thinking he's going to fo- follow in his footsteps, being called out to preach into the nation of Israel to repentance and call them to repent. Not only nation of Israel, but nations, plural. Think of Jeremiah, and as you read through the book of Jeremiah and his sermons and his own life story, think of the times that he had to stand against the priest, his own father, his, his, his reputation of his own father-in-law, of the wickedness and the idolatry that they accepted. Now, we don't have it in record of what his father did personally, but knowing how much would that impact his father, knowing that he's preaching this message of repentance to the nation of Israel and the priests themselves, and even in Jeremiah 21, 3, where Jeremiah speaks where he was taken by a priest and beaten because he, he didn't like the message that Jeremiah was preaching, the message of God. He was beaten, and the next day he was let go. Think of the pressure. I think of myself in the 20s or as a teenager, maybe standing before the church and feeling the pressure or the weight of standing before believers in Christ, them people that I know. But Jeremiah being called to nations, standing before hundreds and thousands of people calling them to repentance? What a humbling thing it was for Jeremiah. As it is for us, it's humbling for us to proclaim the message of the gospel, whether it's in an audience of two or more or in an audience of one. It's not of ourselves. This message is not of ourselves. It's something given to us that we have received and we are called to serve. Rick Ezell said, the person most aware of his own inadequacy is usually the person most dependent on God's all-sufficiency. My inadequacy has caused me to rely on God. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. His glory is manifested through my flaws. We hear Jeremiah's response, and then quickly Jeremiah gives God's response to Jeremiah's excuse in verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, 
I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Now here, the Lord refused Jeremiah's excuse. The Lord promised here in this passage to be with him, to give him the message to speak, and to deliver him. And I ask you, to deliver him from what? Jeremiah was fearful. He knew that the nation of Israel was living in wickedness and idolatry. And he understood what the cost was going to be. We see in Jeremiah um, 1, verses 17 through 19, where Jeremiah even is encouraged by God that you will be opposed. Be encouraged because you will have opposition. Men will try to persecute you, and they will. Men will try to kill you, but they won't because I, I, the Lord says, God, I will deliver you. And this is a faithful saying that we have for us as believers in Christ. God will deliver us. And I'm not saying physically, because God has delivered us spiritually if we are in Christ. We might be a martyr for the faith of Christ, or we might be ridiculed by the words of our employers, the words of our friends, our neighbors. God is always with us, and he will deliver us. Our talent may appear inadequate, but God always equips those he calls. We have the promise of God's provision. God will be with us. He will give us the message and the words to speak, and that we have through the Holy Spirit and through God's word. And God will be with us always. In Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Lastly, we have God's assurance. After God responds to Jeremiah, God assures him, just as uh, the Apostle John assures us of our own salvation, of knowing in, in 1 John 4 of how um, the, uh, in, the, uh, in these things I write that you know that you have eternal life. Again, that relationship knowledge of knowing that Christ knows us. And if I'm being convicted of my sin, or if I'm living in idolatry today, the idols of my heart that separate myself from, from God, that I can turn to God and change my ways. God gives his assurance to Jeremiah. In verse 9, the Lord, then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This symbolized the transfer of God's words to the prophet's mouth. The Lord appointed Jeremiah to a position of authority. The verbs in, in verse 10 that we see are in a chiastic structure. Four are destructive and two are constructive. They're expressed through three metaphors. Agriculture, to pluck and to plant. Construction, pull down and build. Military, destroy and overthrow. These are vivid in my mind. These are very great. Uh, I'm a visual kind of guy, and I can see this. 
It's just like going to boot camp for me back, I don't know how many years, 21 years, uh, let's see, 19 years ago, when the drill instructor wants to hammer down your throat and make you know that you're worth not even a penny, you're, you're worthless. When we come to know Christ as our Savior, before even coming and, and accepting what Christ has done for us, we have to understand how filthy we were and how wickedness our heart was before God. Whether coming to the to saving knowledge of, of Christ at the age of seven for myself, or being a wicked person for like the thief on the cross for all of his life, we have to recognize our sin and see, according to God's righteousness, who we are. Just like the prophet Isaiah, woe is me, a sinner unclean. These verbs describe the whole message of Jeremiah's book in total. Jeremiah would announce good news and bad, oracles of judgment and messages of comfort. In the result of Jeremiah's life, Jeremiah would be misunderstood, persecuted, arrested, imprisoned. More than once in his life, he was threatened. The people did not want to hear the truth. Jeremiah told them plainly they were defying the Lord, disobeying the law, and destined for judgment. Jeremiah spent 40 years being obedient to God in his call. God has given us his word, Salem Baptist Church. He's given us and given me the unique opportunity to be obedient to his call in our life, to serve him, and that is how? By knowing who I was and being faithful to the God that saved us and redeemed us from the curse of the law. The four acts of God to the believer, to you and I, in application. God knew you. He knew me. God sanctified you. He set you apart. He set me apart to a call. God formed you perfectly. You might be sitting here today thinking your life is in ruins or things are just going the wrong way or you've made a terrible mistake or you might be sitting on the other side of the, the, the aisle where you're thinking, I have everything made. I have retirement. I have a great job. I have a great family. Everything looks good on the outside. But on the inside, the Lord knows our heart. And so I ask you today, to think and examine your own heart of where God has brought you from and where God will take you to if you're willing to be obedient and to serve God. Jeremiah received God's word and then proclaimed it fearlessly to the people, and we must do the same with the message of the gospel. Would you pray with me? Dear God, our Father, Lord, we're joined together as Salem Baptist Church. Lord, we've had the privilege and the liberty to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, just as Jeremiah was called to be a prophet and to call the nation of Israel to repentance, Lord, you've called us the church today. Lord, you desire for us to be earthen vessels willing to take the message of the gospel it may not be Spain. It may not be into the, 
to a different country. But Father, we have friends, we have neighbors and coworkers that don't know you. Father, we thank you for knowing us before we were even born. Father, you know others that we don't know. Father, instill in our lives the willingness to be obedient to what you have called us to do, to be faithful. Lord, at Salem Baptist Church, I pray that we would be a light set on a hill, declaring your, the message of the gospel, seeing discipleship done in new believers' lives, encouraging one another, edifying through the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. Father, I thank you for the work of every individual here, every member of Salem Baptist Church. And I ask you to examine our hearts now so that we can go forward the next 110 years to serve you no matter what opposition may come our way, no matter what our country or what other countries might do to us. Father, may we be, may we be your servants for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.